Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features something a bit different, an excerpt from a sci-fi novel that has a bit of mystery to it, The Path by Peter Riva. It's read by local actor Terence MacArthur. The Path will be published in the summer of 2023 by Open Road Media. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks. All life on Earth is about to be terminated by an entity as old as the galaxy itself. To make matters worse, Simon has broken everything already. In a future world that is run by computer systems, and that is without want, how can a man find his role? Then, if the very computers he works on to try to make them more human suddenly try to kill him, revealing a secret so fast that it affects every living soul on the planet, can that man be a hero? These are the questions that face the stumbling, comic, and certainly flawed Simon Bank. His job is to work with the system's artificial intelligence, making it fit more perfectly into human society so that it can keep the country running smoothly. But... When the system threatens the peaceful world he knows, Simon suddenly must rush to save his own life as well as the life of everyone on Earth. Forced to reassess everything that he thought he knew, he is caught within circumstances way beyond his control. Simon's only hope is to rely on intellect and instincts he didn't know he had and on new friends, not all of them human, to change himself and all humanity. And he doesn't have much time. The Path by Peter Riva Excerpt from Chapter One From the beginning, that first morning, I knew there was something wrong. The sky shouldn't behave like that. Nature wasn't programmed to produce effects like those. So many people shouldn't have died. Like everyone my age who remembered a time when everything didn't work so cohesively, so perfectly, I listened with only scant attention to gossip that we were in for a catastrophe, sooner or later. It always popped up as ridicule on the net, the same doomsday prediction made by people wanting attention, their images on the video screens, or so I thought. I was wrong. Sooner had come. The day had started much like any other. I awoke in my bedroom across the hall from my wife's, stretched my 50-year-old six-foot joints and ligaments until they stopped popping, 
washed, examined the slight pot belly I was getting in the mirror, and got dressed in the blue gear my job called for, like so many thousands of other clean room system employees. I stuffed my pale blue dust cover overshoes in my back pocket while I recorded a morning greeting to the family, my gang, who would probably get it around lunch when they checked the home net to order up dinner. Today was a fine day. Gentle breezes from the west, so ordered by the system, and I rather cheerfully set off to work. It was work I liked, really. We all like our work. It was the number one criteria for any job application nowadays. Mine was, well, just better suited to what I wanted currently. Like everyone, I had once wanted something else. Musician was a joke, a pipe dream, really, left over from days of youth when music was a common bond, not a cultural thing. Music didn't push the envelope of existence anymore. And that was a good thing. So society decided music was mainly a reality enhancer, and I couldn't have been less interested in what my parents had once called elevator music. The job I wanted and applied myself to currently was to help humanize the artificial intelligence of the system to make it fit more perfectly into the needs of society, the nation, and, of course, keep all the needs of America running more smoothly. Leaving the house alone as usual, I keyed a simple reminder to my only real son, who would be, if I remembered properly, leaving our atmosphere today. Godspeed, I keyed in and pushed send on the reminders tablet by the door. That should make him chuckle. God, indeed. The elevator dropped me directly onto the third floor access for my commute on the elevated high-speed conveyor way called the New L running from our apartment on 3rd Avenue and 123rd Street to my stop, Midtown, then all the way on downtown to Battery Park. Manhattan had long ceased to be a town, with now over 16 million people. But residents cling to that terminology as a badge of belonging, Manhattan still has cultural pull. As I waited to move across the new L to the fast lane, I looked across 3rd Avenue towards the still-rising sun appearing over the skyline of Queens and Brooklyn. There it was, a line of storm clouds approaching from the east, but the wind was from the west, as predicted. 
The conveyor edge moved beneath my toes, and I stepped on lively, and then hopped left across onto each faster-moving belt, threading my way through the crowds in the morning rush. Through the glass dome over our heads, I stared at the advancing clouds against the prevailing breeze. They simply had no right to be there. Long before I reached my step-off street, the clouds had gathered strength and color, turning an ominous pinkish-green. Rain had begun to fall. The west wind rolled the dangerous mass onto its side, and almost as if by magic, I saw the funnel appear and extend down, pointed like a finger of fate at the intersection, my normal stop, less than a block away at 57th. Some people outside the new L dome waiting to hop on looked up. Others were unaware. Most were then lifted somewhat magically to drift away inside the funnel. Some on the edges were thrashed about, split, gutted, and strewn across the avenue, all in silence. No bomb, nothing but the white noise of the tornado. Limbs were torn from innocent people in silent, screaming terror. The people it didn't take up became punching bags for its anger, debris pummeling them, people thrown against people. In terror, I aimed my feet quickly at the 59th Street exit, moving swiftly across to each slower conveyor and then off and ran down the recycled plastic steps to street level. As I ducked into the nearest shop for cover, I was suddenly aware of a curious memory. I was eight. My father was telling me that everything was related, not relative, but related to my actions and desires. The man you saw on the street would, when you stopped watching him, vanish and reappear when you next needed him. You think you travel by plane back then, but God somehow was manipulating your reality for you. You sat down, noise and effects happened, you got up, and the scenery had been changed. Presto, you were in Paris, but not. There was no there over there. It was all here. Everything you saw was related to what you saw before. There were clues, if you looked for them, to God's theater, as he called it. For years as a kid, I searched and studied, often thinking he was possibly right. A face in a crowd here, a dress there, a somehow familiar landscape, and always deja vu. Then... One day, I was stranded on an expedition and knew what it was like to be truly alone. Nobody, no God, nothing. Me, an asteroid. Nothingness, void. Dad had lied. Well, not lied. He'd made up a far too convincing fairy tale. Or 
was it? Looking down the street through the laminate glass of the shop, leaning over the vases of blooms, the sales girl yelling at me not to squash the floral display, what I saw could, very possibly, have been a bad day for God. His theater props had gone awry. As quickly as it had appeared, the funnel slowed and vanished into itself. Overhead, the clouds rolled back a block or so, becoming wisps, and then they too were gone. The weather was back as predicted. Someone was going to lose their job over this one. Weather Good One had always been the most reliable service in America, creating perfect weather for the system, yet today it had failed. Of course, Dad would have said there was no weather good service at all. Oh, the heck with that, Dad, I thought. Move on. It's over. I tried to put it behind me. Of course, it wasn't over. The event was only just the beginning. This reading of The Path was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on his website, Peter Riva. That's R-I-V-A, PeterRiva.com. you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference, and we really could use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. And we'd like to thank Dorian Rhodes for being our newest patron. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. And if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier for others to find. And of course, be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, this is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery.